Deuteronomy chapter 6. I promise I'll try not to keep you too long this morning. I know uh, sometimes uh, we can kind of get in here and get going and lose track of time. And uh, isn't it wonderful when we're in glory? We'll have no track of time. <laughs> It'll all be one worship service. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, today's message, I want to title this, The Ultimate Legacy to Leave. On Father's Day, we want to speak to our fathers and look what the Lord has for us as fathers. Not only do we want to bring honor to them, but uh, as fathers, we want to see what God's beautiful design is for the father of the home. And the ultimate legacy, which we can leave behind as fathers. But chapter 6, look at verse 1. We're going to read to verse 15. That won't be our full text this morning, but I want us to look at this in context. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, if you found your place. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded thee, Thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all things, all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, for those whom you have redeemed, we rejoice. We apologize for the missing audio. Pastor Jeffries will now resume. This is first and foremost, but before you can even think about your children, teaching your children, loving your children, leaving a legacy, let's get our own hearts right with the love of the Lord. And so he says here, Love the Lord with all your heart. Now, in verse 6, at the end of verse 6, he says, Shall be, be in thine heart. 
So what shall be in your heart? There's two things he lists that should be in your heart. First, the love of God. Second, the word of God. Fathers, to get your heart right, to love the Lord with all your heart, there's two things that need to be in our hearts, is the love of God and the love of God's word. So he says here, uh, in verse 5, most of us are familiar with this, and thou shalt love the Lord with thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and with all thy might. Jesus said that is the greatest commandment. The Pharisees came and said, Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Is it thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt, you know, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And No, the greatest commandment of all What's interesting is the one that we all fail to keep. Could you imagine if he had said the greatest commandment of all is thou shalt not kill? Well, I've never killed anybody. I don't know if you all have, but that puts me in the clear. He didn't say that was the greatest commandment. He said the greatest commandment was thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength or your might. And that is the single greatest commandment, and that is the one commandment that we all break. And so that commandment, more than any other one, should show every one of us that we all fall short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short of what God has commanded us to do and who to be. We've all fallen short of pleasing God. So, he says that's the greatest one. But... More than just this commandment, we need to consider that this is something that we must do. It's not a suggestion. It's not just that if you think about it, love him with all your heart, soul, and might. It's a command. This is something that you must do in your life. You must do this, and we see that it is the essential part of your life that you will live a rich full life full of joy look at the psalmist there's plenty of psalms about this psalm 1611 says thou will show me the path of thy of thy i'm sorry of life in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore in the presence of god is the fullness of joy You set yourself up for the fullness of joy when you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And we see that we love him, though, because he first loved us. This is humanly impossible, this command. I mean, the, the one whose nature is bent against God, those who are not searching for God, they are not going to love God with all their heart and their soul and their might. But let's think about this as far as having a heart of love towards God. People who love golf, what do they do? People who love golf, what do they do? Well, they go golfing. Don't they? There's attendance and participation. Secondly, they watch golf. That's admiration. Oh, I admire I used to love watching Tiger Woods. I don't know how many golfers we have. They read about golf. There's instruction. 
and they do not keep their passion secret about God, there's evidence in their life that they love God. If you did not love golf, would you want to go golfing? Would you want to attend golfing and participate? If you did not love God or golf, would you want to watch it? Would you want to read about it? Would you want to express your love for it? No, you wouldn't. Now, there's a lot of people today who say they love God, and they're doing all these things, but they don't love God. So serving the Lord has become a chore. Coming to church has become a chore. Reading the Bible has become a chore. If I did not love golf and you made me do all those things with golf, I'm going to be pretty miserable, aren't I? So first and foremost, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Amen. All those other things need to be second. You need to put God first, and then those things would come. And so you have so many church people or so many people who are trying to live their lives like they love the Lord and they don't. Now, it starts with the heart. It really does start with the heart. What shall we keep in thine heart in verse 6? First, the love of God in verse 5. First thing, there's two, the love of God. So fathers, the love of God. Secondly, the word of God. Now, the second part is really how you reinforce the first part. You're not going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind on a consistent basis if you never read the word of God. You're not. Because we, you know this. This is, this is the most, uh, you, you can base uh, anything off of this law. That sin will either keep you from the word or the word will keep you from sin. It's one of those two. So something's keeping you from the word. The word of God shall be in thine heart. Psalm 119.10. I'm sorry, I'm starting to speak fast. I want to get through all of it. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. In Psalms 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, I want to give you ten ways to keep the word of God in your heart. Ten ways. First of all, build a healthy daily habit of reading the word of God. Just like all your other habits daily. You know, you make the coffee and do this and all the other habits. Take my medicine Make a daily habit to read the word of God. Secondly, pray before you read and after you read. One of the things that when you pray, use what you read in your prayers as a conversation with the Lord. Yes. And it will go a long way towards remembering and keeping the word of God in your hearts. Use whatever you just learned in your prayer. Third, read it out loud. Maybe not all of it, but the parts of the word that strike you the most, read it out loud. Fourth, keep a journal. I like this. Get you a journal and reference the text. And then in your own writing, in your own ways, uh, just put down what that text says and what that means. 
Fifth, learn it by heart. Memorize it. And then there is choose a verse of the week, choose a verse of the month, of the year. Next, do what it says. Actually apply the truth of the word of God. Ninth, don't keep it to yourself. And then tenth, read the Bible before you go to bed. That way the word of God will be the last thing on your mind. Actually, I don't know if you all are like me, but my mind is the most fertile in the morning. It's like it's, it's not been, there's not a lot of, it's got its, all its energy. <laughs> it's ready to do its thing. It's, I've not drained my battery yet. I find that the, in the early morning, when I wake up, is the best time to read the Word of God. I don't know many of you may have different times that you read the Word of God. But if we are to keep the Word of God in our hearts, there's some real practical ways that we can do that. And if you need that list later, you can certainly ask me. But Paul says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, in Colossians chapter 3. All right, so let's move on. So we see that the very, the most important part, so we did need to spend some time there at the beginning, was you must get yourself right first with the Lord before you go on to teach, before you go on to show others. Yeah. Let's get ourselves right. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. All right, so verse 7, we see teach. Leaving a legacy of love to God is not just loving the Lord with all your heart, keeping the word of God in your heart, but teaching. Teaching. Verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. When it comes to teaching... Uh, we need to remember as fathers, as parents, grandfathers, grandparents, the word of God is for all ages. The topics are not, there's topics in here that you may think are too hard. Let's not neglect to teach our children. Now we may apply it in simpler ways. Uh, I remember teaching a Sunday school class with April. It was the teens. And I'm pretty sure I taught them the exact same thing I taught this morning to the adult class about justification by faith. It's truth. You know, our children need to hear the truth. And so whether we're applying it in, in ways they understand or not, ways they, you know, in ways that they... When I was a kid, I, I was raised in preacher conferences, pastor conferences, and I didn't understand 80% of what they were saying. But I understood that there was something to be said and that truth was important. And I couldn't wait to understand what they were saying. And so there is nev never assume you're not helping by teaching the doctrine, the word of God. There's also times in their lives where we can stop and have teachable moments with them. Um, growing up, my favorite story was Joseph. I don't know about you all. I love the story of Joseph. I cannot tell you how many times I applied that story to my own life. How many times I could relate to Joseph growing up in my life. Now, my brothers didn't throw me in a ditch and leave me there to be sold 
and the slavery and everything. So, I mean, they did bow down and worship me, but uh, they, they definitely did not throw me in a ditch. But how many times as a child, you know, looking today as an adult, I couldn't imagine growing up without that story of Joseph. Just what a blessing it was to have that. It, you, you would be shocked at what, when you teach your children the word of God, how it stays with them. And it helps them when you can't help them. When they're making decisions, you're not there to make for them. And they're making the decisions on their own. And they're basing it off of what you've taught them. And teaching is training, isn't it? Train up a child in the way that he should go. And they shall not depart from it. Training is more than just discipline. Training is listening, talking, having fun, refereeing, practicing godly behavior, reinforcing godly behavior, and introducing new experiences. So he tells them to teach them in verse 7, but in verse 8 and 9, not just teach your children, but show. Show your children your heart. Now, I hope we have the heart in verse 5 and 6, because your children are going to see your heart, regardless if you have love for God or not. Children are going to see your heart. Verse 8, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, a sign, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. Now, we don't do that. We don't technically do that, but we do that as uh, the symbolism there. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Now, what happens when we bring the word of God in our homes? We are, I mean, whether you're hanging stuff in your house or whether whatever mannerism is pointing to the word of God, whether it's decorations or whether it's your speech, whether it's your actions, hopefully it's all those things. But what happens in verse 20? Look at verse 20 real quick. What is this going to prompt the child to do? In verse 20, they're going to say, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? They're going to ask you, what does this mean? What, what am I seeing here? Children will remember more from what they see versus what they're told. Teaching them the word of God is not just teaching them from the word of God, but it's also teaching them the word of God in you. teaching them the word of God that's in you. Children will remember more of what they see than what they're told, despite how many times you tell them. Um, I don't know how many of you all uh, have ever told your children about stories from your past, about growing up and, and everything, and then they get the details completely wrong and awful, Okay, I played football, and I can't believe I'm going to bring this up. No matter how many times I tell my children what happened, when, when I was playing football in junior high, I sustained an injury. Now, what, we were in practice, and um, we, I was on the, the starters, and then 
the second string went up against us in practice and they didn't have enough people so the janitor which we all know we love the janitor his name was Tim I still remember his name he was a big guy now he was only about you know 10 years older than us he wasn't some you know he was a big guy and we all kind of love Tim the janitor and so he decided to play uh, offensive guard I was linebacker and so it was a walkthrough it was a walkthrough play for the defense and so the, the ball was snapped, I started walking, and here comes Tim with all of his 300-pound muscle-like and just shoved me right here in the chest. I wasn't even looking at him, lifted me up off the ground, and I just flew backwards, and I broke my arm. And uh, I tell that story all the time to my kids. You know, that was a, it was a football injury your dad sustained, and it's, I'm tough, though, you know. I got a story about Robbie. Robbie was at that same practice, and he's like, Philip, shake it off, shake it off. My arm is dangling like a wind chime. My arm is shattered. It's broken. I'm like, Rob? Oh, I want, I want to hurt Rob more then than I did to Tim. But, uh, but to this day, if you ask my children that, what that story is, they'll say that the lunch lady was the one who tackled me and brought me down. No matter how many times I tell them, it wasn't the lunch lady. It was the janitor. He was a tough janitor, tough as nails. You know, and that's the thing is the children, I, I really hope when I'm gone that they don't continue that story. I'm just letting you all know. When, when I'm, that's what really what happened because I, I don't know if I can trust them with that story. But it isn't that the thing? Is we, we train our children more by showing them how to behave versus telling them how to behave. And as fathers, we, we need to remember that. You know, I remember a time when I realized that my dad was a sinner, saved by grace. There came a time when I realized that my mother, she wasn't perfect, she was a sinner who was saved by grace. Now there's the difference. When we teach the word of God, when we show the word of God as fathers, are we teaching them the humility of faith that comes by when we go to God in a contrite heart, a contrite spirit? We're begging God to forgive us, a sinner who has been redeemed. They see dad worshiping God's grace. Or do they have or do they see a dad who has all these rules that they themselves cannot keep? Because here's the thing. One day children are going to see that you too sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, that is something, isn't it? When you stop and think about that, my, the, you, know, you don't have to try to show your children that you're not perfect. They, they, they know that. They'll see that. But what they should see, and what I pray to the Lord that they do see, is that a man who is willing to own up his faults before God, ask God to forgive him of his sins and to help him, and by faith trust in the Lord, and be always thankful for the grace of God in your life for saving you. Oh, I mean, at Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. 
You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, there's a bit of a paradox there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, there's two things going on. First of all, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then, so we know that one. That's what children are to do. Obey the Lord. Pretty black and white. And then he goes on to say, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. How can you discourage your children? By giving your children commands they cannot obey. By making them disobey Ephesians 6.1. By giving them all these rules and restrictions that you yourself cannot keep. You frustrate your child when you give them impossible tasks to do. That's how you frustrate your child. Dad always said this, and it's always stuck with me, and I love the illustration. Um, when you plant a tree. Now, there's two ways that you can plant a tree wrong. You can plant a tree too loose. You can just give it too much slack. And then it's just growing any which way it wants, and it doesn't grow straight and strong and tall. The second way is you can tie down a tree too tight. When you strictly tie down a tree so tight, you prevent its growth. It doesn't experience stretching. It doesn't experience exercising. It doesn't exercise their faith. They don't exercise their trust in God. They're not experiencing those things. What you need is to have the right tension for a tree to grow tall and straight. And honestly, you know, when we train up our children, and that's what it says, to train them and to teach them and to show them, show them your heart, show them your love for the Lord, you're training them by modeling a behavior you want them to have. What, so that's the legacy. The, the legacy which we leave behind well, he, he wasn't perfect, but he loved the Lord. He knew he wasn't perfect, but he loved the Lord. He thanked the Lord for his grace and forgiveness. And he's at home in glory because of the crucified Lamb of God, his sacrifice, his greatness, his glory, all the Jesus that we owe. He saved my dad. He saved him. He saved a sinner. He saved me. I pray he has saved you today. I pray that you have come to realize your sin and your faults before the Lord. How none of us have, have risen to the standard of God, which he will permit anyone and of themselves to enter into glory. But the wages of sin is death. That's why Christ had to die. It was no light thing that God sent his son to die for sin. And not just, he didn't just die for man's sin in general. He must have died for yours in particular. It's not good enough that he died for mine. Did he die for yours? Did he die for what you did yesterday? What you thought yesterday? How you disobeyed God? Did he die for your rebellious heart? Oh, that is the main thing to take away that we, you know, we didn't get to talk about the rest of it, but um, once you have got the first part right, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and I know that it's hard. Oh, but what joy, the fullness of joy there is in the presence of the Lord. 
But what was the warning which Moses gave Israel? Once you got that right, and you're teaching, and you're showing your love, and you're showing the, the grace and the compassion which God has given you, once you've got that right, know this, there will always be something coming up just around the corner that's going to compete for the place you give God in your life. If you gave God number one, which you should, there's always something that wants to compete against it. So he warns you, once you start enjoying the blessings that God gives you that you didn't work for, I didn't work for this eternal life. God gave it to me. God's given me all the riches of Christ and the fullness of glory. Once you start getting too comfortable in that, you'll start forgetting all the things which God has given you. You're, and this is what it says, do not forget the Lord. When that new thing comes, he says, do not go and serve the other gods. Do not go and look at what other people have. Do not treat that thing. Do not replace God as your first love. That's what he told the church of Ephesus. You've done so many things right, but here's what you've done wrong. You've left your first love. Oh, let us not forget. And if we have, oh, the time is now. And that's what he said. He said, today, now, have these things in your heart. Remember the things which I say today. Let's not let the things yesterday frustrate us into not doing what we should do today. Let's repent and ask the Lord to forgive us. And you know what? Praise the Lord for the fathers that he has made you. If, if you're not a father of the day, the, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord that the fathers he's given you in your life. There's, you know, not everybody has... Uh, as fond of memories of their fathers as others. And like I said, it's a real issue with fatherless homes. Let's pray that our, our Father, our Heavenly Father, will restore this country back to just traditional home values and honoring God in the home. And it starts with the heart. It, you know, we can't look at what's wrong with the country until we look at what's wrong with us. We really can't. We can't look at what's wrong with the children until we look at what's wrong with us. We can't look at what's wrong with society, education, the media until we look what's wrong with us. And if there's something there, oh, Lord, forgive me. Put within me a pure heart and a right spirit. That's Psalm 5110. You know, that's, that's another. I got a plaque for Pastor Appreciation Month, and I put that plaque in my home. We have, a lot, we have some other plaques and with Joshua saying, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And I want every day the children to see those reminders that this is a house that serves the Lord and is built upon the Lord. I may not be perfect, but oh, praise God. Praise God of his grace and his forgiveness to me. And I, I pray the Lord has forgiven you of your sins. And today's the day of salvation if you have not come to him in full repentance. Oh, it's a personal salvation. If the Lord has spoken to your heart at all, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. And today is the day to praise God that he has given you another day. Another day. Lord, help me to leave a legacy of love. That's the legacy I want to leave. And those are the principles that I want spoken about. 
a legacy of love to God. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Father, what just the opportunity to breathe, the breath that you give us of life. Father, we know, Lord, that there are those that are under the sound of my voice who are your redeemed. To you and to them, they are your Father. Father, those who are not redeemed, those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior, you are not their Father, but you are their God and their Judge. And one day you will pour out your wrath upon all those who have sinned against you. Father, we do not know who the hearts are that are rebellious and stony. And Father, but we know that by your grace and your power that you quicken those hearts and you make them alive. You breathe into them the breath of life. You give them eyes to see and ears to hear. You give them a fear of condemnation. Oh, but Lord, when they put their trust in your Son and only your begotten Son, Father, what a peace that comes of the eternal life which you have given us through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those, Lord, who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, we pray, Lord, that even today you may shed your grace upon them, then open their hearts that they may see and that they may come to believe and may trust you as their Lord and Savior. Father, thank you, Lord, for the fathers which you have given us. Father, thank you for the lesson to the fathers. You do not leave us comfortless, nor do you leave us without instruction. Father, may we just learn your instruction. May we uh, come to love it in our lives and see it for the value and the worth that it is. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask your forgiveness of all our sins and to help us, Father, moving forward to keep your words in our heart and to keep the love of the, for you, number one. And we'll thank you and we'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.